0: Hey, everybody, Jimmy Smith. On today's Unlocking the Cage podcast, I sit down with 115-pound champion Carla Esparza about her wedding, her marriage, and being champion and what could possibly be next at 115. Also, Mike Brown, standout coach at American Top Team, discusses Ioannia Jacek, her retirement, and the future of Dustin Poirier at 170 pounds. She's the queen I will say of the straw weight division, Cookie monster herself, Carla Asparza. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, of course. It's
1: great. Great to talk to you again.
0: It is always fantastic. was more t- fantastic right now. Uh, you won a title, had a wedding. Um, Are the are sitting at the top of what I consider the toughest division in women's mixed martial arts, 115 pounds? How has it been with all of those things kind of happening at the same time? What has this experience been like?
1: You know, I mean, just by themselves, fighting for a title can be can be a lot. You know, almost overwhelming with just the added, you know, media responsibilities and you know, training for something so intense and. You know, I'm sure as many people know, weddings can be kind of the same. So it, it, it's been pretty intense that, like, just try to, like, stay focused on what was in front of me at the time. And, um, you know, now that it's all gone so well, it just feels like fairy tale. So what
0: is your focus now when you say, you know, whatever's in front of me at the time? Of course, a wedding is big. That's your whole future. All of these things. Now, is it kind of like a reset and you're back to thinking about, title defenses, stuff like that. Are you, are, are you back in work mode? That's what I'm curious about.
1: Well, I mean, I guess you could call it all work mode, even recovery and, you know, resting yeah. for me is, is working, you know, finding that balance and just mentally and physically recovering. Um, you know, right now the focus is getting to 100% uh, so I can start a camp again soon.
0: All right, so uh, speaking of Carlos Barza, of course, champion at 115 pounds in the UFC, just got married, just won the title from Rose Namajunas. Um, t- talk about that process. A lot of people talk about how hard they work, you know, outside of camp, so the camp starting is difficult. Other people, like I said, talk about, uh, as you just said, the, 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 the need to rest and kind of let your body heal a little bit before going back into something. What is that getting back into fight mentality? What is that like? What does that entail for people who don't know?
1: Well, for me personally, I'm sure it's different for everyone. For me, it's just kind of a an easing in process, you know, like I, I definitely like to start lifting, just just kind of adding things in and picking it up. I like to do a lot of technical work when I'm not training for a, wide, uh, a fight and just, you know, just improving and evolving. Um, and then outside of that, when I start, when I know that I have like a goal or a fight in mind, it's like, okay, three months away, let me start kind of picking up my training slowly because, I mean – don't be wrong, you know, it's like, of course, I'd love to go hard at all times. But, you know, as athletes, you have to be smart and, and know when you're going to peak and be at your best.
0: Gotcha. So how much are you paying attention to developments at 115? Of course, we all know about Yuan Jacek retiring. We all know about Weili Zhang knocking her out and all these things. All these things going on at 115 is staying away from... Is resting and getting a break partly not about getting wrapped up in the division when you're not in it, or are you still trying to to make sure you watch everything?
1: Um, Yeah, I I, for me, it's I I tend to like stay away from it a little bit more. I knew that um, after, especially what Dana White said, that the winner of this fight would be fighting for the title next. I knew this would be my next opponent, but I didn't even watch the fight to be honest. And I mean, I saw the highlight, you know, the the finish, but. At the end of the day, when it's time for me to study the fights, I will. And until then, I mean, I have an opponent, and that is what it is. But until I start really, like, focusing and training for the fight, like, it's almost irrelevant for me.
0: Um, Not even the nuts and bolts of the fight itself. Not even dealing with that. What are your thoughts on the legacy of and Njecik? Of course, she retired after the fight, but... You know, she was strawweight champion. She had five title defenses. She's a legend in the division. What are your thoughts on her legacy uh, as a fighter, assuming it's all over now?
1: Um, you, I mean, she's, you know, like everything you said, she's, you know, been the most dominant champion in the division um, thus far. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a almost bittersweet because, you know, part of me was wondering if we'd ever get a chance to rematch and I would be able to avenge my loss. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, people retire. You know, Claudia Godella also recently retired, and, you know, I won't, you know, obviously not getting a chance at that rematch. So, um, you know, we've all been in the sport a long time, and she's done a lot for the division. So, you know, help put it on the max because like you said, you know, this is the toughest division. I think it's yeah. the most most probably most watched division of all the female divisions in the UFC. Do you think
0: her style, her, you know, she had a kickboxing style, she was incredibly aggressive, she went for broke every single time. Do you think that brought a lot of eyeballs to the division that wouldn't necessarily have been paying attention?
1: Uh, you know, it's hard to say because there are so many stars in this division. I mean, you know, the right and left, I feel like we have so much talent coming to this division. I mean, you know, a couple of years later, it's like a couple of years ago, it's like Mackenzie Dern pops in and we have a new star. And then it's, you know, just like there's constantly like like great strikers. I mean, look at, I mean, we have Rose who's like knocked Joan out, you know. So, I mean, there's other other great strikers. I mean, Wei Lee herself, I mean, just had a vicious knockout. I think, um, stylistically like striking is definitely something that the fans love to watch but you know jo- Joanna is not the only striker out there in this division so i mean i definitely think she brought a great attention to it but you know it's not like that it's not like a division that started with Ronda Rousey where it was like like based on one big star i don't think this division has ever been like that Speaking, of
0: course, to Carla Esparza, champion at 115 pounds. So what is it like? What's the mentality being at the top of the division like this? One of the things we've been talking about for the last few minutes is is how good the division is, how stacked it is, how aggressive everybody is. Is it fun being at the top of it? Is it a big challenge? I would love to hear, like, basically the mentality of having gold and knowing all these people are, are getting ready to fight you.
1: You know, um, it is amazing, it's fun, but heavy lies the crown, you know? I mean, yeah. definitely a lot more attention comes with it, and a lot of times that attention is not the nicest. I mean, you know, you can be one of the biggest, most popular stars in the UFC, but it doesn't mean you're not getting, you know, a bunch of negative, mean things said about you, like, constantly. You know, like, I mean, any like any star, you got Conor McGregor, Ron Ralph, you have Mayweather, you know, like. People are going to talk trash, you know, so I think with more, you know, with more attention on you being the champ, that definitely comes with more attention and then a target on your back, you know, and I've experienced this a lot. I experienced it going into the Ultimate Fighter as the champ, as, you know, the number one pick
0: have you been dealing a lot with that recently? You talk about negativity and fan negativity, negativity criticism about the fight in which you won. The title has been rampant. What has that been like dealing with it, or you've been trying to to, to ignore it? Tell us about that.
1: You know, it's not easy, you know, just getting so much hate from fans. And, um, you know, I did get a lot of trash talk after, you know, my fight. Um, You know, it was obviously, like, not the most, active fight. There wasn't, you know, so much that happened, so, you know, I know a lot of the fans were, like, disappointed, but um, and there was definitely a lot of trash talk, so it was kind of like, you know, what do I even do at that point? It almost takes a little bit of joy out of winning the belt, because you want to win it in a dominant fashion, and you want, you know, you you want an explosive finish, but that's not what happened. But at the end of the day, I mean, I'm a two-time UFC champion. Like, I'm not going to sit here and complain about it. It was still one of the best moments of my life.
0: So let, let's expand on that a little bit. Speaking to Carla Esparza, UFC strawweight champion, um, the idea that the the uh, that the champ and, and a champion who just went through that was was Aljamain Sterling, who uh, won the title from Piotr Jan, but it was an illegal knee and it was a disqualification. A lot of people kind of on him about that. A he just leaned into it and was like, Okay, fine, if you're gonna hate me, go ahead and hate me. But the rematch silenced a lot of critics and I always say in this sport, you know, one win and everybody shuts up. Is it does it make that next make you a little bit hungrier for that next win, that next opportunity? Because like I said, as soon as you win, all that criticism goes away. It's 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 like magic every single time. Does it make you a little bit hungrier for that with all the criticism? Um, I guess
1: you could say that, but I mean I've been in this sport a long time. I've had a lot of fights and you know, one great win like the one I had before Rose. It's like, you know, everyone's everyone's sharing your name, and then the next fight you have, you, you lose, or you know, you get knocked out, or you don't have the most exciting win, and then it's you're you're back to the, you know, to to the, to the trash talk. So, you know, for me, it's it's always going to be a yo-yo. My motivation to win is just comes from something like within. Of course, I would like to to silence the haters. You know, I can't say there's not a satisfaction in that. Um, you know, but I because I've spent my most of my career being the underdog, so it definitely does feel nice to kind of just be like, you know, everyone talks all that crap, but I, I went in, I, I proved myself with my, you know, with my fist, you know, in the cage.
0: So uh, one thing I want to talk about is this uh, comment you made about Zhang Wei Li about, as you said, w- when you win, everybody's behind you. You get a ton of momentum and all this stuff. Uh, you kind of slowing down wayley Zhang's momentum. You said, we're going to fight on my timeline. I'm the champion. You are not the champ. I am. We're going to fight when I'm ready for that. Um, what was that I- in response to in your mind?
1: Um, you know, I definitely had a lot of people, uh, you know, and a lot of, like, you know, articles being written. Or I didn't even, like I said, I didn't watch a fight. I didn't even see this what she said or whatever. Um, but, you know, I definitely uh, heard a lot about her saying that she wanted to fight on Fight Island and, uh, in October because, oh, it's going to be fair because, you know, we're not fighting in my hometown or yours. You know, and for me, like, I could care less what she, what she wants, what day she wants, what location she wants. I mean, in all actuality, this is a U.S.-based company. Like, more, more often cards are going to be in the U.S. We're going to fight, like, when the fight makes sense for the company and, and when the fight makes sense for me. And, I mean, that's the end of it. Do you see that?
0: And I was on air talking about this when she said her loss to Rose Namunas the first time around. She was, you know, kind of taken aback by the, 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 the chance and the boos and all this stuff. And it kind of threw her for a loop. And I thought at the time, that's what fighters have to put up with. You fight a Brazilian in Brazil, everybody's going to be screaming at you. If you fight a Russian in Russia, everybody's going to be screaming at you. You fight an American in the U.S. It, it, it's part of the sport. What did you think about it? And, then, and then when she brings it up about this, like, oh, we need to fight in a neutral place. Like, you don't get neutral as a fighter. They're going to support somebody most of the time. What are your thoughts on that and the mentality it takes to do that?
1: I mean, I think it takes a tremendous mentality to get past the negativity and the booze. And fortunately, unfortunately, I've had quite a bit of practice. You know, I haven't fought in my home state of California in over 12 years. You know, I'm constantly in other people's territory. And for me, you just got to be tough and put up with it and and just have that mental strength. And, you know, I understand why, of course, everyone would want to fight in their own hometown or nearby. But, you know, like to me, that almost shows like a little bit of fear of, you know, like she's traumatized and she doesn't want to come back. It shows, you know, I don't want to call it like weakness, but, you know, just she doesn't, she definitely doesn't want to experience this again. And, you know, in my career, I mean, even in my last fight, we're getting, I'm getting booed at the press conference, you know, the day before the fight, you know, everyone's like boo, like cheering for Rose and booing me. And I can even barely hear my help self-talk and in the fight we're getting booed, you know, but just being able to keep that composure you know, is, is something that comes with being a seasoned fighter. So
0: if it's on your timetable, which it is, you are the champ, uh, do you have a timetable in mind? Do you have a timetable in which you'd want to be kind of getting ready and maybe when the fight would happen?
1: For me, ideally, I'd like to fight in November, December. Um, you know, I have a couple of small injuries, you know, going going into the fight that I just want to make sure that, you know, I'm 100% or, or as close as I can be. Uh, before getting into a heavy camp, because you know each camp is it's it's difficult, it's grueling, it's you know taxes on your body a lot, and I want to be 100% going into it. Um, this is obviously a very hard fight, you know. She's a dangerous opponent, so I'm giving the 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 challenge that respect.
0: Uh, it is always a pleasure catching up with you. Congratulations, not just. the the title win but the wedding everything going on in your life congratulations thanks for giving us the time champ cool thanks so much A very, very special guest right now. A guy I've known for a long time and able will do commentary with him. He was absolutely fantastic. Also a coach at American Top Team, Mike Brown. How you doing, my man? I'm good, man. How you doing, Jimmy? Doing well, man. Doing well. So let's start off with probably the most recent thing you've had to deal with. Very, very complicated. Very interesting. Ioani and Yanjiechek's return to MMA and her retirement after her loss to, to, to Zhang Weili. Lee. First off, um, what's it like dealing with a fighter as talented as Ioannia Jacek, but who's had two years off the sport? What was that whole getting back into it process like, man? Tell me about it.
2: Ah, when she's in the gym, she's a hard worker. So uh, when I when I see her, it's always full steam ahead, uh, push, 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 go, go, go. But there was, uh, you know, there was obviously she took some time off and – Uh, You know, we could probably use that time for more development always. Uh, But she was she wasn't not working. She was in Poland, still trying to improve, still uh, training in her local gym there, uh, working on other stuff, business stuff. uh, But I think getting her life also prepared for, for the future.
0: So how much of that are you aware of or as a coach are you dealing with? Because I know you want to be kind of myopic. You want to deal with, okay, you have a fight coming. We're dealing with technique. We're dealing with nutrition. We're dealing with all the stuff we have to to deal with. But a fighter is dealing with a lot of things on the outside. How much of that bleeds into training, and how much do you know about as a coach?
2: Well, with individual athletes, it varies quite a bit. Ah. but with her, she's, uh, she still was at a very high level, still fighting at a very high level, still looked very good in the gym, still trained very hard. Uh, she was she definitely one of the strongest-minded athletes that I've ever met, male or female, uh, when it comes to hard work, when it comes to weight cutting, or when it comes to a tough fight. I mean, everybody's seen it. Uh, she has tremendous heart and uh, tremendous will to win.
0: So, uh, in the fight itself, one of the things that, that that really kind of stood out to everybody who watched, or at least everybody on my crew who watched, she looked great. She was shredded up. She looked really good physically. Had no trouble with the weight cut. She looked big. She looked lean. It seemed as though the results of... The, the, the fight camp physically were there. Uh, when did you realize that that wasn't going to be an issue? Because a lot of times fighters come back after two years and, and the cut's a problem, uh, the physicality's an issue. Physically, she looked great. Did that surprise you or was that par for the course with her?
2: Well, I feel like she lost a little muscle coming into the camp, which I thought was good because I think she was a little too big for the weight. You know, She, she always had a, you know a big weight cut uh so losing a little muscle i think made it a little easier to make weight obviously it still wasn't easy she's a girl who's like doing fasted cardio nearly every morning uh on low calories you know two or three sessions in a day this is not easy uh most people don't want to do this and uh and it's not good for you not good for your performance necessarily either but when you're too big for your weight it's something that you have to do and uh, she was always willing to pay the price Uh, her conditioning is also one of her strong suits right I think typically the longer the fight the better for her she's good in three rounds five rounds you know the longer it goes the better you know what she might lack in physical power usually she makes up in endurance
0: so technically, in the fight itself, of course, speaking to Mike Brown, standout coach in American Top Team, he's, he's trained more, more legends than I can think of right now, also a standout 145-pounder uh, back in the day. Um, the performance in the Octagon itself, I thought her timing looked good. I thought her stand-up was great. She was accurate with her strikes. I think a lot in the kickboxing exchanges, she was outlanding Zhang Wei Uh, I mean, that's the time she had off. That's that's an incredible accomplishment. What would you think of that?
2: Yeah. That's, I mean, she, that's where she's good. She's good. Long, yeah. straight punches, keeping distance, moving her feet. She's always kind of done this, uh, you know, what, uh, I mean, and we expected this to happen was, you know, way to look to mix it up and take her down. And she did. And, and she was kind of stronger than we expected and able to like, uh, get her down and had a, hit a few nice techniques where she did some chain wrestling, uh, switched off to a high crotch and, and finished there, which was nice. And uh, there was a lot of scrambles in that first round. You know, once it hit the floor, it was it was good that Jay was able to, you know, get the underhooks and, and battle back up and get to a feet. you know, a few times. Uh, I liked that it was a high pace, you know, I was because I like the, the fact that they're pushing away Lee's conditioning. You know, I thought this might, uh, could help us later on in the fight. So um, I was happy with that. And in between rounds, Joanna was very clear, very confident still. You know, she was like, uh, you know, she said to me, oh, yeah, I know. Um, I feel good. I'll win this next round. I got it. So when an athlete is, you know, speaking very clearly and, and is able to talk like that, you know, that's usually a really good sign.
0: Or did you have any idea that she was considering retirement, or that might be the outcome if she was not victorious? How much of you, how much of that as a coach, were you aware of?
2: I mean, I know I didn't, I knew it was possible, but I just didn't think about it, you know. Because the goal is, you're always thinking about winning, you know. So I'm, I'm, we're, we're always thinking about the title shot, you know. So I didn't, honestly, I didn't, you know. Looking back, I'm not surprised at all. Uh, but before the fight, it's like all all mind is set up on winning and and fighting maybe for a title late, later on. You know, that's that's the mindset.
0: Speaking to Mike Brown, of course, standout coach at American Top Team, I want to shift gears just a little bit and talk about another one of your fighters who's been in the news recently, not necessarily for a fight, but uh, Dustin Poirier. And you've been vocal about a move up to 170 pounds for him. Um, first off, uh, what do you think his, his – let's start with the ceiling or the goals at 170 pounds. Would this be like a kind of a one-off, like Conor McGregor fights at 170, but he's really a lightweight? Or would it be a, like a strategic, concerted move up to 170? What, what are your thoughts on her, his ceiling at welterweight?
2: Um, you know, I'm not 100% certain. I think time will tell. I think uh, he's just looking for big fights. I think wherever he can get them, I think that's kind of his his mindset. Uh, I mean, what's that's kind of, a um, management position to figure out, you know, what is going to be best for his long-term career. But I just think he's trying to make big fights cause he's put himself in position where he's now one of the biggest draws and, and has one of the biggest followings. And he's obviously one of them, absolutely one of the most exciting guys on the roster always has been, um, and I think they're trying to make something big. You know, I think they're trying to make like a Diaz fight, something like this. I don't know the the logistics of it all, but I think this is something that everybody's wanting to see. It's, they've been trying to iron that out for a while, and uh, I think they've been working on things like this.
0: What's your frustration level as a coach? Because... You know everything we've read about is, is is like what you're saying. He's like, look, I just want a big fight. It can be it can be Diaz, it can be so and so. And i you know, he, he hasn't seemed to have like much of a preference. He even said like uh, that 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 he would fight Colby Covington, a guy he said he'd never fight and wouldn't want to give money to. He seems frustrated at this inability to get that big fight signed. I mean, as a, as a trainer and as a coach, how frustrated are you, kind of for your fighter in this regard?
2: Yeah, it's it's such a tough position. And it is frustrating, uh, and I'm not sure exactly where they are on this, but this is kind of the problem. They're working on stuff for him. They just haven't it hasn't uh, come together. So this this whole time, I think he, they're working on fights for him, and um, they just haven't ironed something out. With, with, on, and I don't I don't know the details of even which side, but that's that's the issue. And. Yeah, he's a an athlete who's in his absolute prime, and uh, it would be nice to see him in there, showing uh, showing off his what he's capable of.
0: So, when you think of him at 170 pounds, like w- what is your what is your opinion of his ability to hang with guys who are just naturally physically a lot bigger? Conor McGregor always says, "Oh, I'm the only guy to have knockouts in three different weight classes." Like, no, you knocked out a 55 pounder at. 170. It's not like knocking out a real filled out strong welterweight. Um do you believe that 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 Dustin Poirier has the the frame, right, and the physique to to match up with some of the elite at 170? How do you think that works?
2: I mean, I see him in the gym with world-class welterweights and he definitely holds his own for sure. You know, he 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 does very well. Uh, but of course, Length is always an issue, right? Even if power's right. not, uh, it's always good, especially for striking, to, to have that that length advantage. And every little bit counts. Every every centimeter, every, every inch uh, means a lot. And you kind of you're losing that as you go up.
0: What are your thoughts as a coach? We see in maybe every two or three UFCs, somebody has trouble making weight, or somebody makes weight and they have a medical issue, and they end up going to the hospital. We end up losing that fight. We lost the Manuel Capay fight over that last time out. You, as a coach, when do you sit down with your your fighter, male or female, and go, "You got to move up"? What 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 the what are the kind of things you look for yeah. as a coach that make you go, "Look, it's time for the move. You're killing yourself making this weight."
2: Yeah. I mean, I've always kind of been on, had that mindset. You shouldn't be killing yourself. You should be focused on fighting and winning. Your main focus should not be cutting away. And that is for, you know, a lot of athletes uh, when a lot of people don't want to want to do it. They're always afraid of change, but I think that we're moving in that direction. I think more and more people are realizing that if you move up, you'll have more success and, and, it's not the guy who cuts the most weight who's, who's the best guy. This is not the case. Uh, it's, for the most part, people are winning on skill, not because they're cutting these massive amounts of weight. And I think especially for long-term, uh, like for longevity, this is important. I mean, even Dustin was in a situation that when he was at weight, there was a lot of uncertainty about moving up. And, you know, some people thought that it was a bad idea, this and that. And it was a good idea. It was better for his body. And as you age, you're always uh, gaining weight with more muscle mass, bone density. Everyone seems to to increase size as they age, and almost every world class boxer has has moved up as they age. And, and that's the kind of the natural progression. That, and that's the same case for the for our sport, and, and that's how it should be.
0: Uh, before I let you go, man, I got to get your opinion. Where we have a, obviously a fight night fight coming up to uh, this weekend, where it's Calvin Cater versus Josh Emmett in your old weight class, one hundred and forty five pounds. Both those guys really, really heavy handed. Great boxers on the inside. What are you looking forward to about this fight, man? Anything in particular?
2: Uh, I mean, this is this is a great one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Emmett hasn't been very busy. He's got some injuries, I think. Was it? I don't know if it's torn ACL or something. So we haven't seen a lot of them. Uh, recently, but cater seems to uh e- evolve every time we see him always new weapons new attacks uh and this is what i 'm most excited to see is uh the the evolution I mean these guys are pushing the envelope on the sports evolution, and this is exciting. I love seeing guys doing new stuff, creative stuff uh this Tater's last fight was incredible, an incredible one and uh, I think shocked a lot of people and uh, showed truly what he's capable of.
0: I cannot wait to see it myself. Mike Brown, great coach, great MMA mind. Thanks for joining us, my man. All right, thanks, Jimmy. We'll talk to you. Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the XM podcast network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Murphy. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Special thanks to SiriusXM's senior vice president of sports programming and podcasting, Steve Cohen. And SiriusXM Fight Nation program director, Marissa Revis. SiriusXM Podcasts.